Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and neighbors, welcome to another one of our special role-playing game episodes. Today I am going to be talking to Sam Kusek from Cave of Monsters Games. They have a Kickstarter up for a new game called Three Minutes, an Ultraman-inspired tabletop role-playing game. Welcome to the show, Sam. Dominic, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, uh, this isn't your first game, is it? No, it's not. Um, this will be game number five. Um, I've made... I wow. Cave of Monsters got started with a Super Sentai-inspired role-playing game called Henshin, a Sentai RPG. And then that spun off into a Kamen Rider RPG, a uh, Ranma One-Half-inspired RPG... And then I put out a, a solo adventure inspired by the uh, Chinese legend Journey to the West, um, for those who are familiar with that. And now um, this year, uh, we are launching Three Minutes, which is currently kickstarting, uh, which is our Ultraman-inspired RPG, which you know completes our Tokusatsu trilogy, as it were, which is very exciting. Um, and then I have... Uh, one other game that is coming out, which I will be debuting a Kickstarter or a quick start. Sorry, I always get those messed up. A quick start for later uh, this week as you and I are recording. Um, and then Henshin will be getting an expansion later this year, uh, which may also be fun to talk about. Wow, it sounds like you're really busy. Is it just you doing all this or do you have a team that you work with? Um, I'm, I am the primary person. Um, so I handle all the writing. Um, I work with artists, uh, a different artist for each project. Um, and I handle the coordination and, and creative consultation with them. And then we have a discord, um, for anybody who's interested in Cave of Monsters games. Um, I have a small moderation team there and, uh, one guy named Matthew, uh, who does, a lot of coordination on that channel for me also helps me with some uh, online advertising and everything. So it is a pretty small, small group, but in that sense, you know, I have a lot of creative freedom to, to do what I want to do, which is always fun. Um, and, you know, uh, the tabletop community, as I'm sure you've come to know, is, is pretty vast and varied. Um, so, you know, I have friends with, or I'm friends with folks, like uh, Possible Worlds Games or Corey over at Rookie Jet Studio, who also does some really interesting like anime-related stuff. Um, so I, while I'm uh, building content on my own, I'm certainly not alone in this venture, which is exciting. Well, that's good. It's always good to have friends and help. Yeah, totally. So this game is a specifically Ultraman-style game. Tell us a little bit about the mechanics, because it looks like you've got some unique uh, aspects to this game that I, ha I haven't seen before. Yeah, so Three Minutes is, is an Ultraman-inspired game, and in the game you play, you create a host character, um, and that is somebody who 
through some circumstance, um, so be it an accident or just happening upon a, a giant alien, you become bonded with a guardian who is a giant alien, this being of immense power and light, or in some cases, a variety of different elements, which are illustrated in the book, who is uh, trying to hunt down and subdue other giant aliens called Eiji. Um, and the way the game operates is it utilizes a go fish um, resolution mechanic, which was adapted from another game uh, called Gun and Slinger from Dino Berry Press. Um, and that is under their marked and made third party licensing agreement. So the way the game works is your host has three stats. Um, you have your build, which allows you to do physical stuff like running quickly, lifting heavy items or making a hit or taking a hit. Um, you have your brains for identifying certain information or recalling or decoding messages. And then you have your charm for anything social. So you'll have an array of stats there. Depending on the uh, guardian that you create, you'll get a stat and bonus and decrease um, depending on the element that they're made up of. We have six different elements that a uh, guardian can be made out of, be it uh, wind, water, earth, fire, sound, and light. Um, and then your host will also get a uh, ability. So being bonded with an alien, you know, gives you sort of a, uh, a different extrasensory uh, sense, right? Um, and that influences your card mechanics as well. So the way the game works is there will be one central pile of cards, and that is uh, deter the amount of cards is determined by the amount of players. So it's always um, the amount of players, including the narrator, because there's a person acting as like your game master or your dungeon master for those familiar with those terms. And then it's plus one set of cards. So there's a big set of cards in the center. You'll shuffle those and people, as they take their turns, will draw two cards um, and they'll be able to make pairs of cards or they'll be able to use face cards, which will act as a value of 10 to make moves. So you'll use a pair plus a relevant stat to make a move, and that'll be against a challenge that the uh, challenge rating that the narrator sets. Um, the narrator, you know, depending on your relationship or how they want to run the game, they're very much encouraged to be upfront and open about those challenge ratings so people can strategize as they see fit. Um, but they can use anything from all of those stats to their abilities. And the neat thing about this game and what I wanted to, I think the, the risk I wanted to take in my game design with this is any successes that you make as the host, those cards go into another pile called the guardian pile. Um, when you are up against a giant monster or maybe up against like a boulder that's falling from the sky or something like that and you need to have your guardian appear you can use that guardian pile to summon them and you'll draw four cards from that and you can use three of those cards to make successive hits against the giant alien or other environmental attacks so you know there's still a sense of randomness but it is all determined by how well you're doing it in the game um, but I really wanted to have something that still had sort of like an extra layer of combat to it. Um, similarly, if you uh, fail any of your checks, if you make an attempt with your cards and you fail, that goes into the AG pile, and the AG pile is used by the narrator to then make attacks. 
So, you know, the choices and your actions really matter. There's some narrative weight and consequence to the mechanics. Um, and I thought cards was, was kind of the best way to do it. Um, you know, I, my game design has always been and continues to trend towards being a little strange, being a little off kilter. Um, Henshin is a diceless storytelling game that utilizes tokens. Um, Rider Conchu, our common rider game, further expands on that idea. I've gotten into dice a little bit with some of my other games, but I thought cards would be a really interesting way to keep a sense of randomness about the game, keep that gamey, chancy kind of feeling that people love, but have different layers of mechanics for you to be able to interact with and have a variety of experiences rather than, you know, being able to min-max your way through certain scenarios. Now, when you uh, are playing a pair of cards, is does the actual value of the pair matter, or do you just need to have a pair of anything? Um, so it is not the combined value. That's a great question. It's not a combined value, but it is the value that the two numbers share. So if you have a pair of sixes, it would okay. just be six, not 12. Okay. But you are adding that six to whatever your stat is. Or correct. And you start out... Get your total? In order to get your total. That's correct. And you start out with stats of zero, plus one, and plus two. So, you know, you can hit pretty hard if you get a six and you're using charm, so to speak, and you have a plus two in that, you can get an eight. Um, if you use a face card, which are of a value of 10, you can get a 12. So off the bat, you can still, you know, hit pretty hard and do some interesting stuff. Um, but to keep it, you know, uh, <laughs> keep the game kind of manageable, um, I wanted to keep the, uh, the just baseline value of the pairs okay is there a set target number or is it very depending on what you're trying to do it's very depending on what you're trying to do and it's also very dependent on the um the narrator's story right um so they have okay. the book uh has a set of costs um for these checks so they're simple costs uh involved and complicated um, those range from three all the way up to 12 and over. Um, so it really kind of depends on uh, what the narrator comes up with. And, you know, that's I, I say this in the book, um, and I think it's important to say with games as well, is that's a guideline, you know. Um, if you find that uh, you want sort of a higher hitting game or people are hitting higher numbers, you can always scale and adjust as needed. Um, but that's the guideline that I provided in the book. Okay. Now the title may not make sense to people right off until, unless they're already familiar with Ultraman. Explain to us why it's called three minutes. So three minutes is a uh, direct reference to Ultraman um, where uh, the titular character can only transform into Ultraman for three minutes at a time. Um, and that's based on the fact that the, Ultraman the alien uh, can't really deal with our Earth's uh, pollution and environment for too long, so there's just a limited amount of time. That's represented by the color timer that is on Ultraman's chest, right. which flashes depending. Um, I, I love that about Ultraman. I think it's a really fun uh, part of the, the world and obviously has some narrative stakes that you know, in the TV show, those three minutes feel a lot longer. Um, time kind of slows down yeah. a bit. But I wanted to have something similar, which is where that guardian pile mechanic came from. 
So the three cards that you, the four cards that you draw represent the opportunity and the three that you play represent those three minutes of action. So same rules still apply. You're only able to transform for three minutes at a time. Um, and I really just wanted to have that carry over because I think that's just such a fun and unique part of the genre that is consistent, you know, for the most part throughout at least what I the uh, um, oh, what am I looking for? The inspiration that I pulled from. Um, you still see that limitation show up in you know Ultraman Ace and Ultraman Leo and Seven. There's always a limitation, and I think it makes. You know, I think the one thing that's attractive about these kind of games is everyone wants to be in that hero or all-powerful role all the time. And if I don't think that would make for a very interesting game. Um, I think yeah. being able to set some limitations to it and encouraging people to make interesting choices as a host character, as a human, and rely on their relationships with the people around them makes that combat all the more interesting and meaningful. Yeah. And you got to save it. You can't just the minute some bank robber shows up, you can't just waste your three right. minutes dealing with some well, low and, level chump. Uh, and and that's a great point. And I should have, I should have mentioned this with the decks, right? There's a central deck that's open to all players. The guardian pile is also open to all players. And so if you all <laughs> transform uh, and summon your guardians in succession, you could very easily eat up that pile of guardian points that are available and then you know if that ag comes a knocking and starts wrecking shop uh in the site that you're in then you guys may not uh have the firepower needed to deal with that so there is a little bit of like group strategy that comes along with uh who's transforming when is the best time to do that how many successes do we need to make to make sure that is replenished um, it's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of balance needed to making sure that you're, uh, uh, winning, so to speak. So in the game, you can't transform again until you've got enough cards built up. Is that it? Yeah. So the game operates, everyone will take a turn, right? Um, so it'll be all of the player characters and then the narrator. Um, so if, you know, you and I were playing, we could, if there are enough cards in the guardian pile, both uh summon the guardian but once those are used up those cards are gone they are discarded from play they don't go back into the guardian pile so if we there are eight cards and you and i uh both chose to summon our guardians on our turns those cards uh that would leave about two cards um because you would choose six from those uh eight that would leave two cards. That's not enough cards for you to summon a guardian in the next turn. So you would then have to play a hand right. in the hopes that you could add more cards to that guardian pile. I don't remember on the show. Do they say how long he has to wait before uh, activating again? He doesn't. I don't believe there's a limitation. Um, and that's funny because it is kind of nebulous in like they do that in common Rider sometimes where like, they fight hard enough yeah. that their transformation breaks. And then someone's like, Hey, don't like, don't transform too quickly after your transformation breaks. It's dangerous, but there's no real, like it's kind of narrative fluff a little bit, you know, um, there's no real, uh, right. rule or serious consequence to it. So I don't think there's like a hard and fast rule for it. I'm happy to be wrong about that too. If someone in your comment section, uh, wants to call me out, I'm sure it's mentioned somewhere. Because it seems to be, 
I don't remember them explicitly stating it, but it seems to be implied that, oh, you can't just wait till the timer runs out and then hit the button again right away and start <laughs> over. Right. But right. it seems like as long to... as the rules don't explicitly say that, I don't know why he doesn't. But it, it seems to be implied that his energy is drained and he and he can't just do that. But I don't recall anybody right. ever just coming right out and saying it. I guess we're just meant to yeah. understand that. Basically, I have a once per episode limit. <laughs> well, it's it's it is once per episode sometimes, but not all the time. Um and that, that too, I mean, I think that's a good thing to note for the people who would be running this game, the narrators, right? Is that you could have combat, you could have everybody summon their guardian and then uh, use that as a way to transition to another scene and pass some time narratively, right? So give them some time to mm -hmm. replenish that guardian pile. Um, and I think using that kind of nebulous timing to your advantage to move the story along is a great way to do it or subsequently if someone does just like continue to tap that pile on every one of their turns and you're in the same scenes you can continue to throw them harder and harder shit or you can you know have them take some sort of narrative consequence the thing about guardian combat and the thing the thing about guardian combat and um this applies to ag combat as well is there are consequences um for damage right so in the game depending on the suit of the card um you can apply full damage to the ag um so if you get a six of clubs you can apply six damage to that ag if it's successful but you will take half of that damage to yourself same thing with spades ag and guardians and hosts all have health the site that you are visiting, um, the location is very important in this game. That has a health rating as well. So AG will attack the site or they can attack you. Um, if the site loses all of its health, it's considered lost and you effectively lose the game. That's your lose condition, right? Um, if you uh, uh, use hearts or diamonds uh, in your damage allocation, you will uh, damage the site as well. So you have to be a little choosy about which cards you use are willing to take the risk. You have skills and uh, there are some abilities that allow you to, you know, heal the site or give it time to heal itself back. But there's there are consequences, right, for continuing to tap that and continuing to do damage. Um, are you willing to risk, uh, you know, killing the location that you're in to get this monster done? Is that worth the effort? That's up to the player, right? Um, and that's up to the kind of game that they have. But I I like when... I love games where combat has, like, real narrative consequence. Um, and this felt like a good way to do that. So the site is the, the location where you're fighting? The the city or the neighborhood yeah. within the city where you're fighting? The, the city or the neighborhood. One of the examples that's in the, the book power plant is... Or whatever. A power plant or like I did I think I did a hot springs resort because one of the example AG is a literal heat vampire um, so there's uh, there's a destination ski resort that has natural hot springs and it's a quiet town so you know the the site can be as big or as small as you want it to be obviously it's not the whole world right or a entire country but a relative yeah. a relative city size where someone can have a couple of locations to go to, have a couple of places to explore. Um, that's that's the general gist of what you're going to be looking at. 
Now, as we're recording this, the Kickstarter has nine days to go. I'm hoping to get this out by tomorrow, so it'll be eight days to right. go. Let's see. What are the rewards? It's just, what, two basic levels? Four um, basic there levels. are actually five. There's five. So there is a PDF reward. Um, so you got a PDF copy of the right. game and of the playbooks. There is a reward called Radical I, uh, where you get a PDF uh, of the game. You also get a code to purchase the game at cost through uh, DriveThruRPG's print-on-demand service. So you'll be getting the game at mm -hmm. a discounted price before anybody else gets it. The next one up, you will get uh, all of those things that we previously mentioned, as well as limited edition pogs. One thing I'm trying to do, because I'm one person and I can only do so much, I really want to treat each one of these releases for my new games as the opportunity for people to get something interesting and a interesting physical reward. For this one, for the people who are not big tokusatsu nerds, Ultraman and a lot of tokusatsu has a rich history of, of Manko or Pogs, which are just like, you have character art, <laughs> you have stills from the shows, yeah. which are printed on cheap cardboard. It was a fun way for kids just to like engage with the world. And I wanted to do something similar. It's kind of a game tacked on to the game, right? Of, hey, let's play a, a quick little game of Pogs. But those are only available through this Kickstarter. It's an interesting collector's item. I think it would just be a fun thing. Like, I can't think of any other tabletop role-playing games that are offering Pogs at this time. Um, I'm sure there's some out there. I, I would not be surprised if there were some out there. But I wanted to just do it as a, as a nod to the history of Ultraman and just to do something, you know, neat and affordable really uh the pogs are i think a fun little entry point and they look they look cool it's great to be able to showcase that character artwork outside of the book as well i was just gonna ask if uh if pogs were making a comeback because i have some vague idea that i did see another game that had some pogs with it i wouldn't be surprised there's so many services nowadays that allow you to just like print and make your stuff uh uh, pretty affordably, right? I don't want to say cheaply because I don't want to degrade my own product. But, you know, uh, there are some services that allow you to make interesting things on the fly for an affordable price. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there there are other pogs. Uh, I found it. What, what is it? Neon Lords of the Toxic Wasteland had <laughs> pogs in their Kickstarter. Nice. So, And that's a very retro themed game mm -hmm. a very 80s game the pogs i recall being a little bit later than the 80s yeah i thought they i always associated them a little more with the 90s the slammer yeah. era as it were that's when i remember uh, that's when i remember that <laughs> well there's there's two last tiers on the kickstarter just to round that out of um after the pog tier um there is a tier for you to get uh, three codes for not only, uh, or three codes for uh, three minutes, um, as well as Henshin and Rider Kanchu, which are my other Tokusatsu-inspired games. So you're effectively buying the whole trilogy at a, at a larger discount. You're kind of getting a game for free there, or you are getting a game for free. And then lastly, with every one of my crowdfunding efforts, I try to uh, 
have an opportunity for somebody to influence the content of the book um, if they're you know willing to pay for the art costs because art good art costs good money and I I like to make that available to people should they want to do it. We did that on the Henshin Kickstarter and that funded five pre-made monsters that were included uh, in that. So there is a tier open with six slots available where you're able to create an example AG and the uh, illustrator of the book um, will illustrate that and will include that in there. Um, and that is the final tier sitting at $300. All right. Well, uh, Folks, I just want to let you know, I did back this campaign myself, if that means anything to Thank anybody you. listening out there. Of course, they all know that I have a problem, and I back <laughs> way too many, now, way I'm too curious, many campaigns. Because you reached out to me through the Kickstarter messaging service, which I absolutely appreciate. I always love when people contact me and they're like, hey, I want to talk to you. I have this opportunity. It's great. How did you come across the game? I'm out. I'm just curious. I think it was just through Kickstarter. I think it just showed up on my feed. That's great. It was, it would have been that either that or uh, like through um, Instagram or something like that. But it probably just because I've backed similar games, role-playing games in general, it probably just came across my feed. And uh, I've been, you know, particularly looking for, kaiju kaiju related role-playing games my listeners probably all know that i presented a panel at g-fest on kaiju in tabletop role-playing games mm. and i'm already seeing some new games a couple of old things i missed but also some new things that have come out since then so i'm thinking i might be able to just present an update panel next year <laughs> for things to keep up at this rate rather than trying to come up with a new topic i can just uh do an annual update on what's come out since the previous year. So I w- uh, so that's part of why it caught my eye because uh, now that I've started uh, doing this podcast and uh, occasionally incorporating my uh, role-playing game interests into my kaiju interests, I'm kind of on the lookout for that. So that, uh, of course, I because I kickstart so many role-playing games, I get notifications on all kinds of different role-playing games, but this one particularly... <laughs> jumped out at me when it said Ultraman inspired. <laughs> so, cause I can't, I can't back everything that comes along. Don't I know it? Well, I'm glad, I'm glad the game spoke to you. I'm glad sort of the natural means of, of finding the right people continue to work. And uh, if you have that panel recorded, I'd love to, I'd love to listen to it. I'm always interested sort of about who our contemporaries are. It's on our YouTube channel. Sweet. I'll, I'll send you a direct link to that later but uh, yeah. please. The, it's on our website for anybody listening uh, at mmftg.com there is a tab that says videos and uh, you can just click on that and it'll take you to the YouTube page mm-hmm. uh, yeah that panel went really well it was um, well attended and then throughout the weekend people kept telling me how much they enjoyed it so it makes me think maybe I should do it again yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it. Nice. Before you go, let's just uh, talk a little bit about the genre in general. Is there a particular uh, version of Ultraman that you like best? And uh, how long have you been a fan of Ultraman? 
Uh, I've been a fan of Ultraman for a while. Um, I didn't get into it so much until I, you know, Tokushatsu became kind of more readily available just because I was able to uh, watch it at my own leisure or by the the DVDs. But I'm a big uh, Showa-era guy. Um, Ultraman Leo is my favorite, um, but I really like, and what Three Minutes was influenced by was Ultra 7 um, and Ultraman Ace. Uh, I enjoy the original series. I enjoy uh, Return of Ultraman. I like that. I like Jack's design better, I think, than the original Ultraman. Um, and I don't know how many of the movies you've watched, but there's a really great movie uh, called Ultra Story or Ultraman Story, which is like kind of a compilation movie where it's a young Taro um, talking to, you know, Ultra Mother and or Mother of Ultra and Father of Ultra um, and Taro's growing up and they're all like, well, you have all these people that you have to look up to or that you can look up to. Um, and it's just like a nice highlight of all of the action, right? And the different fighting styles and the different like levels of mastery. I think the differences between the Ultraman and sort of measuring that is really, I find that to be really engaging. Like how Ace is sort of considered this like master of beam weapons and Seven's got, you know, his, uh, his three Kaiju that uh, he uses and he's got his slugger, but his design is so vastly different. And then Ultraman Leo is clearly like very influenced by sort of a lot of the Kung Fu movies that were coming out at that time. Um, but that show is also like really kind of intentionally silly sometimes, but also really fucking, can I swear on this? Is that okay? <laughs> yes, yeah. you may. I found Ultraman Leo to also just be like really fucking dark. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of major or a lot of main character death in it that you kind of don't see coming and that is like i think pretty it's pretty brutal for a kid show but i yeah i really love that showa era um i think it's goofy and it's fun and tokusatsu to me is best when it feels handmade right when you can kind of see the zippers and the the handiwork mm -hmm. that went into everything and the special effects are just as sort of as real as can be, or they feel intentionally kind of fake. Um, and that, that never took me out of it. That always kind of like made it more fun for me to kind of see what they, what they intended to do and how they pulled it off. Not to say that any of the modern ultra stuff isn't, isn't fun and engaging in that way. I started watching more uh, Ultraman Regulus because uh, it's, kind of a spiritual successor to Leo and he's in the the introductory series and then there is Ultra Fight Galaxy Battle I think is probably the name of it if I'm getting that, that title right. completely right yeah oh thank you that's also a really fun showcase of like all the different kind of Ultramen um and their different skill sets and a bit of the history uh but yeah I I really love that sort of like that classic red and red and silver era you know I haven't watched all that much Ultraman. I do have a few DVDs on my shelf. <laughs> and of course you can access most of it online now, even the yeah. new stuff. The, com the company's got a YouTube channel. Uh, but I did see Shin Ultraman in the theaters and bought a Blu-ray of it when it came out. Nice. Haven't rewatched it yet, but I've been, uh, <laughs> been meaning to. I also got to see Shin Kamen Rider in the theater. 
and then was shocked at how quickly it showed up streaming for free on uh, Amazon. Yeah, that's one of the ones I haven't gotten a chance to watch yet, but I'm excited about it. It's on Amazon Prime already, so if you have a Prime subscription, it's included. Uh, Yeah, it just, it seemed to take forever for the DVD and Blu-ray of Ultraman to come out. And Mm. it seemed, uh, and and I don't think it's streaming anywhere, but for some reason, Shin Kamen Rider popped up on Amazon really quickly after they had that Fathom event for it in the theaters. Mm. It is called Shin Masked Rider on Amazon, though, so you've got to look for it (laughs) properly or you might not find it. I don't know if you if you search Common Writer, it might pop up anyway, because it might be in the description. I, I'm not I'm not sure. I think I did try that, and I I don't think it did. Um, I don't know if Common yeah, Writer okay, Amazon then, is up on Amazon Prime still, but that might come up. Yeah, so search Masked Writers, search a uh, Shin yeah. Masked Writer, and you'll you'll find it. <laughs> and and don't be scared because it's not the Saban Masked Writer. Um, that's not available on Amazon as far as I know, uh, <laughs> I which would be incredible one, but, uh, if it was. Oh, uh, can I uh, <laughs> can I wax poetic sure. real quick? Sure. Uh, following following the success of uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Saban then tried to adapt oh. other Tokusatsu right. properties for the same yeah. kind of audience, and they did. There's right. a tie-in episode. Uh, and they did Common Rider Black and Black RX, and it's it's they tried to do the same treatment um, where he's an alien kid who comes to Earth and he's you know the the prince of a, a dying alien planet, um, and, but he's also Common Rider and you know he's a teen at the same time, and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's all the magic that uh, you saw in Power Rangers, like it just never really. It did not capture that same lightning. Lightning in a bottle could not be struck and captured twice. Uh, I remember there also being something called Beetleborgs that was trying to cash in on that Power Rangers magic, and it did not last long either. No, and they they made it weird. Yeah. I think it may have also been just we take pieces of a Japanese show and then, you know, lay our own stuff over top of it. Absolutely. It was certainly certainly in the style of Power Rangers. I think the thing that didn't work about that is they had they had like young kids they're reading a comic and it was the Beetleborgs comic and they met a like genie who is kind of like Flubber meets Elvis a little bit and he lives in a haunted house with all of the universal monsters. And he like granted the kids' wishes to become Beetleborgs. And even as a kid, you're like, this is too much stuff. <laughs> like the genie <laughs> plus the monsters plus the kids being superheroes. You're like, I I I don't know what I'm supposed to care about. <laughs> right. And it's I think that's what failed. Uh, well, folks, if you want to pretend to be Ultraman uh, on your tabletop with cards. Consider backing three minutes on Kickstarter. We will put the link to that in the show notes. Or you can just go to Kickstarter and search for three minutes. And uh, we'll put some other links to uh, Sam's work in there as well. Thanks for joining me here today. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And good luck with your Kickstarter. 
Thanks. I'm excited to put out the best version of the game possible. And uh, your support and the support of your listeners means the world to me. I, as, as we said at the top of the call, like I'm a, I'm a independent guy making games that I really and truly care about. And I feel like the people who find and support it will love and appreciate them in the same way that I do. Um, and if this sounds appealing to you, please check it out and please check out my other games. I've got a slate of stuff for the rest of the year, uh, as well as, you know, who knows what next year is going to bring, but there's no stopping me right now. So if you like me, sign up, follow me on itch, follow me on drive through RPG, subscribe to my newsletter uh, on my website. I'm here for you. I'm making weird shit. And, uh, if it's your stuff, I'm here for you. <laughs> Well, thanks again for joining us, Sam Kusek of Cave of Monster Games. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to keep calm and take shelter in basements. Whatever you do, do not misuse science. I won't see you, but you will hear me next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go. You've been listening to Monster Movie Funtime Go. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on your podcasting platform of choice. Our theme song is by the Texacato Folk Rock Punk featuring Lita Lopez. You can support the show, find links to our social media, and even leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash mnftg.